So if my uh, daughter knows that spoon means uh, cuillère and means mala'a, for her it means that, okay, for one same thing, you can think in two different ways. Welcome to The Big Blend, the podcast about merging cultures and transmission. For those of you who are listening for the first time, you can discover the whole story behind The Big Blend by listening to the first episode, The Prologue. Today's guests are Cynthia and Joff, two Lebanese moms who have decided to transmit their mother tongue in a foreign country. So make yourself a good cup of blended coffee or blended cocktail and come discover Cynthia and Joff's stories. Before we start, I want to tell you a little bit about Cynthia and Joff. They both grew up in Lebanon, in Lebanese families living the standard Lebanese life. They then moved to France for their studies and careers and stayed there. They didn't know each other before I contacted them for this episode. And yet, they both have decided to fight the same battle, speak to their kids exclusively in their mother tongue while living in a foreign country. I wanted to interview them to understand the motives behind this decision and what it takes to do it, but also the challenges they face and the results they're observing. Hello, Cynthia and Joff. Hello. Hi, Marielle. Welcome to The Big Blend. So are you ready? Yes. Perfect. So let me start by asking you, um, Joff, what do you answer when I ask you, where are you from? <laughs> well, I naturally say I'm from Lebanon. I'm Lebanese, but I live in France. Well, actually, I'm a bit French and a lot Lebanese. <laughs> and Cynthia, what do you answer? Well, I always say I'm Lebanese. Then I remember I tell them, but... A third of my life, I've been living in France. <laughs> okay, so first, yeah, first reaction is Lebanese. And then you kind of add this little bit of you that is French, because it, it is important to you at the end of the day. It is home, actually. It is a second home as well. When did you start feeling that France was a second home? When I realized, I think like Cynthia, that I spent uh, <laughs> one third of my life in France. <laughs> I thought I, I should maybe consider somewhere else home than Lebanon. And It's where the people you love are. So this is, I think, one of the dilemmas of being Lebanese. You're not only Lebanese. Yeah, it's the dilemma of living abroad. So you both speak Lebanese to your daughters. Was it obvious that you would speak to them Lebanese from the very beginning? Yeah, well, for me, um, as, as soon as I got pregnant, I don't know why I started thinking about the subject. It was something very important for me because I think it's the, the mother tongue is the language of the heart. It's really the language that, that speaks from inside. It's not the language that speaks from your mind. So there's a huge difference. Uh, the way you express yourself, the way you, you express your emotions. So when I got pregnant, I started thinking about the subject. Uh, I was a bit scared of that because I didn't know if it was a good decision or not. So I, I started doing a lot of research. And this is how I uh, fell into a book that is uh, the guide for bilingual parents. And uh, that woman really um, comfort, um, uh, soothed me about my decision that we should talk our mother tongue to kids. 
And I think I was also more um, hesitant because it's Arabic, it's not English. I think if it, my mother tongue was English, I wouldn't have minded at all. Why? Why? Because it was Arabic, it wasn't that obvious to you. Well, th this is maybe my um, perception of things, but I feel like when I'm on the street and talking Arabic before, as adults, people used to look like, uh, what's going on? Who's that? <laughs> it changed a lot since I have my kid. It's really great and surprising. But since I am with my kid and I talk with her in Arabic, people are really nice and really interested and they start asking questions. Okay, so you, to you, it was, uh, it was kind of instinctive, but you needed someone to reaffirm and confirm that you're making the right decision and you decided to go for it. Joe, how was it for you? For me, I think the question came up the first time when I got married. It was for me, I think, a no turning point because I thought, okay, I'm getting married to a French guy. So I'm taking this responsibility of living with somebody who doesn't speak my language. So that was my first um, challenge as well, me as a person, not having the love of my life speak my mother tongue. And this is why very naturally I thought to myself, okay, so my kids, it will be the same challenge, but I can do something about it. You know, my husband, I can always teach him but he doesn't have to speak Lebanese all the time. There's no uh, expectations from my side. But my kids, and, and this is when I think I, I kind of made a promise to myself unconsciously. And I said, when I'll have my kids, I promise them I'm going to talk to them in Lebanese. This is what I would do for them. And yeah, I think it all started when I chose my husband. Did you talk to him about it? Yeah, definitely. I think he's always seen the Lebanese part of me wanting to grow, really. Ever since we were together, he, he knew how much I was, how attached I was to Lebanon. And he only thought it was natural when I told him, you know, when we're going to have our first kid, I'm going to speak to him in Lebanese all the time. And he's like, yeah, I, I fully agree with you. You just have to be very perseverant and do it very often or else they won't talk to you in Lebanese. You know, they'll be very easily talking the language of the country where we live. So, yeah, he was very supportive. Cynthia, your partner is Lebanese. Uh, was he also, did, did he want to speak Lebanese to your daughter? Oh, no, not, not at all. It was a bit complicated for him. He was not sure it's a good decision. Uh, so at the beginning, I used to talk to her all the time in Lebanese. And sometimes he used to talk in French because he was like scared that she will not uh, understand uh, the country's uh, language, which is normal. But then uh, as time went by, he realized that she really understood both languages. Even if at the beginning she started talking in Arabic, but she, uh, she didn't mind finding any way possible to express herself and communicate with people. So it was not very hard for her to like, uh, continue in French when she started school. Okay, so he was a bit reluctant at the beginning and then he realized that exactly. it does work to, to give two different languages. So are you both speaking exclusively Arabic? What are the rules that you put for yourself and what are the ways that you are transmitting the language? I think for me, it's talking to her exclusively in Lebanese. That is part of my, uh, that was part of my challenge and condition. Anything I say to her should be in Lebanese. Sometimes the word is uh, not easily findable in Lebanese. So when it's not, I find it in French or when we don't even say it in Arabic. When we talk in Lebanese, so for example, um, a Kleenex, I say Kleenex to her because it's Kleenex and then Guillaume and my husband then tells me, so why do you tell her Kleenex? Just say mouchoir. And I say, you're right. 
Whenever the word is not Lebanese, I'd rather say it in French rather than a stupid brand name that you use in Lebanese. So, <laughs> I think if she says mouchoir in Lebanon, most of people will understand. The Kleenex, everybody will understand, you know? <laughs> so yeah, for me, that was the rule. The rule is to speak to her in Lebanese whenever, all the time, whatever uh, situation, to try to express her feelings in Lebanese. Even when she says them in French, I would reword in Lebanese. Even reading stories... I would read the story to myself in French or English or whatever language, and then I would tell her the story in Lebanese. And Cynthia, did you have the same rules? Uh, my rule too was to speak exclusively in Arabic, even when she talks in French, because now she's a bit older and sometimes she talks in French. I always answer in Arabic. I don't mind her talking in French, but uh, I also give her the words that she doesn't know in Arabic to give her like a new uh, lexique. Yeah, I do the same. I do the same. Okay. And do is your entourage in on it? Like your parents, are they speaking Arabic to her? Are they do they respect this decision and really go by the rules? Well, for me it was a bit hard because naturally they talk in French with kids. When I was like a kid, they used to talk to me in French so that I learned French. Then when they started seeing that she really talks good Arabic, they talk with her in Arabic, but now again Now that she's starting talking in French, they answer back in French. So it's a bit complicated with the parents because like they want to go into her game, into her world. So they answer in French. But I always have like to remind them that it's really good for them to talk in Arabic. So what you're saying is that uh, when the kid speaks in Arabic, then it's easier for your entourage to answer back in Arabic. So the hardest part is maybe before the kid talks because they're, you're speaking kind of in the void. Joe, did you feel the same? Um, I, I didn't have a pushback from my friends. I, I thought it was like, um, they defied me, you know, they said, are you really up for it? Will you really be able to speak to her in Lebanese in a country where everybody else is speaking in French? And I really felt like I'm alone against the world, you know, like me, my little one and everybody else speaking in French. And so first, yeah, they said, yeah, we dare you to speak to her in Lebanese. We, we think it's, you're going to switch to French very easily. And so when they saw me talking to her in, in, in Lebanese all the time, ever since she was a baby, even before she could answer me, you know, um, I think it, it was admiration. You know, my, my friends are like, bravo, you did it. You, you managed to do it. And, and she understands you and she understands her dad and everybody else. My mother, she loved it. She supported me a lot with the decision. And she she speaks to her only in Lebanese. Sometimes she answers to some of her uh, questions in French. And then I always have the voice. My, my mother and my friends always have the voice behind them. Speak to her in Lebanese. And they'd be like, oh, okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> they always have this voice following them. <laughs> It's really the way that you, you, you girls are talking about this. It, it seems like it's really, I mean, once you decide to do that, it's a big commitment and you have to stick to it. It seems harder than, than it should be. Um, so is it harder or easier than you thought? A bit both for me, I would say. Uh, I thought that the hardest part would be the beginning, but then it was the, easy, the easiest part. And the hardest part started when she be she became to have her own friends, her own like bubble. 
And in this bubble, she speaks French because uh, even her way, um, her way of thinking is French. Uh, but uh, everything that is about um, the world, space, uh, everything uh, she needs to talk to me about it is in Arabic. So she talks about death in Arabic, about space in Arabic, about the, the living things. Yeah, it, it, it's not that easy. So at the beginning, I used to talk uh, to read books in Arabic to her. Uh, but the problem is that you don't find uh, books in dialect. And now she's not pretty interested in books that is not in the dialect, in the Lebanese dialect. So I have to translate that to keep her interest in books. And games, we don't have much. So the problem, I think, is uh, like nurturing their very Im imagination in this language. I think for me, this is the hardest part for now. Yes, true. It's not keeping it at a conversational level. It's bringing it to uh, fill all the parts of their aspirations, uh, how they think, how they dream, how they imagine things. And when Lebanese is not part of that, it just stays as mama's language. You know, it's I speak I speak with mom in Lebanese and, and the rest of my life is in the other language. Can I say something about that? Because uh, once I read uh, George Orwell, uh, the book 1984, and there is a part in this book about the English language and politics. And there is something very interesting he says. He says that language guides our thinking and behavior. So if you have uh, a knowledge in two different languages, actually your, your thinking is more rich You have two ways of thinking for one problem, for example. So if my uh, daughter knows that spoon means uh, cuillère and means mala'a, for her it means that, okay, for one same thing, you can think in two different ways. It is. It is easy and difficult. And I agree with Cynthia. It's easier in some parts and it's more difficult in other parts. And sometimes some things you as a parent, you don't control. You do your best, but you just don't control everything. And, uh, and, and you know, the, the reading part, you said that you read to her sometimes and you translate. Um, I couldn't find books in Lebanese. So I invented to her stories in Lebanese and um, I used them on the Luni. For those of you who don't know it, Looney is a little storytelling machine on which kids can listen to different stories. And I asked the Looney people, I asked them, do you have books in, in Arabic or other languages? And I'm like, yeah, Arabic is not our priority. And I said, well, it is mine. <laughs> <laughs> so I read, I recorded stories for her in Lebanese and now she listens to them on the Looney along with the uh, Lebanese songs, uh, Lebanese kids songs and Lebanese lullabies. You know, I even recorded Lebanese lullabies and it's maybe part of the strategy to, to, to integrate Lebanese in her every day. Yeah, I, I think you're talking a, lo a lot about Lebanese and I think it's a very important subject that Arabic 
is a huge it's a very big language but there is a lot of dialect exactly and uh, taking care of the dialects in transmission is something very important so it's very important to talk in Lebanese dialects even the books the songs because Arabic is not the same according to dialects we think differently according to our dialect so I think this is why also I, I it was very important for me to talk uh, Lebanese with my kids at home because I knew that I cannot say to myself that okay when she will be older I will uh, like get her to a course Arabic course and she will learn there because it's not the same a little note about the Arabic language for the non-Arabic speaking in the Arab world we juggle with two parts of our language the written and read Arabic that is common to all the countries it's the equivalent of Latin and the Arab dialects that vary from a country to another. It's the equivalent of French, Spanish, Italian. To be able to really speak, read and write Arabic, you have to know both. This adds a layer of complexity when it comes to conversing among communities and makes it even more difficult for Arab parents to decide what dialect to teach their kids and whether or not to teach them, in addition to their dialect, the classical written and read Arabic. So you're talking about the Lebanese dialect being very important. How are you going to manage or how are you managing uh, her understanding of Arabic versus Lebanese dialect? Do you want her to write and read someday? Uh, do you want her to just understand the Lebanese dialect? How are you dealing with this complexity of things? Um, I would definitely want her to learn Arabic because Lebanese is only spoken, even if we write it today in messages and uh, in informal discussions. But Lebanese is what we speak, just like Moroccans speak Moroccan, Tunisians, Algerians, Egyptians, all of this is the spoken language. But then Arabic is a very rich written language. And if she wants to be even more connected to her roots, part of her roots, which are Lebanese, she would need to read Arabic. And this is where it's part of our duty also towards our kids, not only to speak to them in Lebanese, but to teach them the language that they will read. Because reading is power. We know reading whatever a country or a, a, a culture has to offer brings also a lot of open doors to how they thought, how they feel, how they imagine, how they love, how they hate, you know? And um, for me, I, I know my engagement towards her will not stop here. Cynthia, do you feel the same? Oh, totally. Uh, actually, it's my biggest challenge. And it's like my biggest mission to make her read and write. And uh, because like she said, your uh, reading and writing, and especially reading, it gives you access to the whole culture. And it's a very rich culture that unfortunately history has forgotten and has put back, but it's a very rich culture. Joe, your husband doesn't understand you when you talk to your, to your daughter. How is this going? How are you managing this? I think, I think he, because from the beginning he was supportive of the initiative, uh, and be, because we've been together for ages, and it's maybe the, the, the same situation with other couples, um, he has already has an ear for Lebanese. So he hears, he understands most of what I say now. And he learned with Liv. Because actually, whenever I would speak to Liv in Lebanese, he, he, I mean, I speak to her, you know, babies. You repeat, you repeat, you, you do very simple phrases. So he learned even more with her. And now I think I always have goosebumps whenever I hear him speak to her in Lebanese. Because he can, he can make small phrases, you know, and he's like, Ade. <laughs> um, he just, do you want Laban 
from the fridge and it's like always oh, I'm like oh he also adopted the language this is just joy for me pure joy <laughs> Also, in your families, um, celebrate Lebanese traditions. I know they're they're very similar to Western cultures, but let's say Burbara or or other typical Lebanese ways of celebrating holidays and so on. Do you also try to pass down these kinds of things? Yeah, for us, we try. When she was smaller, it was easier because we used to celebrate between the three of us. Now she asks more questions. But uh, she's being very interested. She says more and more like, in Lebanon, we do that. In France, we do that. So now she can she can easily understand that there are two ways of doing. Um, and, and it's fine now. She got it. She understands why there are two, two holidays for the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. She understands there is two cultures in some way. Some things are easier to integrate. Uh, for example, Easter. Easter is easier. Uh, when you integrate Lebanese traditions with French traditions. So, for example, I, I felt it with Liv last year. Um, uh, you know, in France, in Easter, we hide chocolate in the gardens and we just look for chocolates and we do hunting, Easter egg hunting, etc. But in Lebanon, we always have this tradition of the eggs, right? We boil eggs, we color them, and then we have an egg fight. To clarify the egg fight game, the rules are simple. One player holds a hard-boiled egg and the other player holds another egg. And they have to tap each other's eggs with the intent to break the other one's egg without breaking one's own. So you're basically going around tapping your family's eggs and hoping that your egg will not break and be the winning unbreakable egg. I've always hung on to this tradition. Every time, ever since I came to France in 2007, Every year I do that, with or without Liv. <laughs> so when Liv came, it was, an, it was an evidence for me that it needs to stay the same. And so I explained to her. So in Lebanon, we do this. And in France, we do this. And we, as a family, French and Lebanese, we do both. And so this is a good example where both can meet. But for example, Barbara, it's not the same date. Barbara is the Lebanese equivalent of Halloween. She will wear a costume and then she will like, as, as Cynthia said, she'll be like, okay, nobody else is doing this. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, sometimes we have to help them as well, you know? I mean, if they are in Lebanon during Berbera, wow, this is perfect, right? They, they would do it with everybody. But if they're not, I mean, sometimes I'm, I'm going to do my best also not to confuse her, you know, on my side at least. Yeah, you choose your battles. You choose what makes the most sense and you help her. You're right. Um, when, what was the most rewarding part? When do you think to yourself, wow, I was so right? I would definitely say it's my kid's reaction now when she tells me, oh, but uh, in French we say that, or in Arabic we say that, for example, uh, <laughs> okay, for example, when, when I've eaten a lot, in Arabic we say, Rahmut, I'm gonna die. <laughs> A bit tragic. <laughs> At the beginning, she was like, Mama, what's happening? I was like, no, no, don't worry. This is a Lebanese way of expressing. We, we tend to exaggerate. And then she started smiling. So now when I, when I finish eating or something and I don't say it in Arabic, she says, yeah, in Lebanese you would say Rahmut. <laughs> so this is the most rewarding because I, I see that she, she gets the world in two different ways. 
like, as I was saying earlier, she like understand there is two ways of seeing and there is her own. She can find her own between these two. And Dior, when, when is your most rewarding feeling? I, I, I honestly, I don't think I had an aha moment on this. I think it's bits and pieces of every day, you know, it's uh, when she says a color in, in Arabic and I'm like, yes, this is abiyad. this is not blanc, this is abiyad. you're right. <laughs> so it's, it's really every day. It's not really one thing specifically, but I think like Cynthia, it will come uh, as she grows a bit older, as she finds uh, better ways to describe her feelings and, and this would be wonderful because she'd know that in front of her, She has somebody who understands both ways and, and this will be, we will be even more connected to them, you know? How old are your daughters? My daughter is four and a half. Mine is uh, almost two years and nine months and her sister is four months old. So yeah, that too, you know, having siblings. You know, if you do the extra effort with the first one and you try to tell her, you know, this will be your secret language with your sister. And I don't talk about mom. I don't say with your secret language with mom because she knows it's my language. But when I tell her, this will be your language with your sister. You could say whatever you want. Do, do, when, you're, when you're in front of people and you speak to her in Arabic, let's say when you're with French friends, do you automatically translate? So do you say every sentence twice? Pretty much on my side, yeah. Yeah, me too. Actually, I try to jump from one to another. So at the beginning, I speak in French, not to exclude the person. And then at some point also, I talk in Arabic because I don't want to, but it's really like a gymnastic. It's not automatic. I automatically speak in French. Then I remember to myself and I say that I want to talk to her in Arabic in front of other people. So she understands that I'm not uh, ashamed of my language. I do the same. I do exactly the same. And I think it's not because of being ashamed, but you open uh, an interesting part of it. Yeah. Like mom, even mom doesn't speak her own language because maybe she's ashamed. I think for me, I didn't think about this, but now you're, you're giving me the thought. But for me, it was mainly not to, um, not to be rude exactly. to people yeah. around her, you know, not to, to, as if I'm saying things to her that I wouldn't want them to understand. So you try your best to speak with her and then you're like, okay, then I'm going to speak to them now to explain to them what I told her. For your kids, it's... It's so obvious, like, well, why are you saying it again? I got it the first time. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think they understand that other people don't understand. Because Liv has two nannies. One of them is Moroccan. And so when Liv speaks in Arabic to her, she understands. And so she's like, I speak Lebanese to her. And I'm like, yeah, you see, she understands Lebanese. She doesn't speak exactly like mommy, but she understands. So you can speak to her as well. And it's like, wow, somebody else than mom speaks that language. I don't have to translate. This is crazy. She gets exactly the same reaction when there is people that understand Arabic. She's like, oh, someone, someone understands me. <laughs> We're not aliens in here. <laughs> so do you think that having people around her that speak Arabic Um, is an aspect of her even integrating more the language? 100%. Definitely. Because kids love sharing. So they need to share the language. If the language is not shared, uh, especially, the, the, I would say to myself, but she knows that I understand French. So at some point she would start, stop talking Arabic, saying that um, it's easier to talk just one language. What can you do or what are you doing? What can parents do to, to foster a bit this, uh, this thing? When you're in a foreign country, it's not that easy to be with people who speak the same language. What, what are you doing to really encourage that? Yeah, I think there, is, um, there are many 
the strategies we need to adopt, really, on various levels. I think um, I think Cynthia's daughter is a bit bigger, so she watches TV more often. For a live, it's going to come, you know, in the coming months, because she'll be three, so it, I'm going to put her a little bit more in front of, you know, some cartoons. And uh, I think I'll choose cartoons in Lebanese, not Arabic, Lebanese, do my best. Um, another strategy would be if I find uh, in the city where I live in, like a group of scouts, you know, and I think the third strategy would be to try as much as possible whenever it's possible to get her to spend holidays in Lebanon and not just, you know, a week. Maybe, and, and I have friends, Lebanese friends who live in France, they do that. They take the kids to Lebanon. Uh, one of the parents spends two weeks with them. Then the parent comes back and works. And the other parent goes to Lebanon and spends the other two weeks. And so the kids spend a month. And, and they tell me whenever they come back, they're completely transformed. They speak Lebanese all the time there. There's something that unblocks. And so they say this is really important. You know, spending time where the roots are is part of the things and the efforts we need to do for them. So it's kind of a sacrifice because you're sacrificing vacation time, let's say, uh, to, to, for, for the greater good of the language. But at the end of the day, you're saying, okay, if my kids are going to spend a month in Lebanon, that's a month that they're not going to spend in another country. Yeah, for us too, I consider it a sacrifice because many times I say to myself, I want to go elsewhere. But we always choose Lebanon again in the summer. And always she comes back really changed. Uh, she learns different ways of not only talking in the language, but a way of expressing in the body language. And it's very interesting. She, 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 she comes like she, she's taken like a year, you know, she's bigger when she comes back. So I also wanted to know your daughter's point of view on the language. Um, did, did she ever have questions? Like, why do we speak that language when we're in France? What, what is her understanding? And does she question you about it? Honestly, I think it's very obvious for her. She doesn't even ask questions. And this is one of the strengths of, of our kids. When they start um, juggling in their mind or doing things at a very young age, it's very obvious for them. And this is why it's, it, we need to talk to them very early. So no, she never asks me. She knows this is the language that mom uses to talk to her and to other people sometimes like Teta, uh, like the Lebanese friends. And she knows that she uses also French because then people would not understand her here in France. So, so far it's been very natural for her, but I think the issue would arrive as many parents will live that. It would arrive when they will go to school and they'll have everybody else speaking with, with them in French. And then they'd be like, so why am I bothering speaking in Lebanese, right? It's funny you're asking that because uh, this summer she did. I think because she's becoming older and she's having a lot of friends. So she's having her social uh, bubble, like I said. So I think it's something that comes and goes. Uh, sometimes it's very natural to her. But sometimes because she's becoming older, she starts asking like point questions about it. What do you hope that she will answer when she, she's asked, where are you from? Uh, I don't have any expectations about that. For now, when, when we ask her, she says, I'm French. And then she says, but I'm also Lebanese. And sometimes she also says, I'm also, uh, when, she, when we talk about the flags, she says, my flag is the French, the Lebanese and the Cypriots, because her dad is part Cypriot. So she loves having all these <laughs> flags and coming from all these countries, but deeply she's French. And I don't mind. I just want her to feel uh, herself. 
I really, really hope she says, mom is from Lebanon, dad is from France, and I'm a mix of both. Acknowledging that she's really a, a real Matisse, this is part of her strength. And this is what makes all the kids that we're going to have from different cultures, this is what will make the mix so much interesting. It's the fact that they know they come from different cultures and they acknowledge them, they absorb them into their everyday. So, Cynthia, you talked about uh, that there aren't enough appropriate games or books in Arabic. And you decided to take things in your own hands and you are creating a game for kids. Well, the idea came up when uh, my daughter was born. So I started searching in the market for games to try to introduce her to the language uh, for the written and uh, the reading. And I didn't find really games that interested my daughter. I tried buying almost everything I found in the market. And I think there were some games that are interesting, but for a lot older than her age. Uh, you have to have like uh, first notions in writing to really play with them. And others, they were not uh, really nice. Uh, the colors were not nice. Uh, the texture, the way of playing with it. So she never really got interested in it. So for now, she doesn't know really the alphabet. So this is how I started saying to myself that I think I, I would love to have a game for her. And I started like uh, talking about it with my now associate. But at the beginning, I started asking questions that how we can find a way to uh, teach our kids uh, Arabic in a fun way. And this is how um, our company was created. For now, we're developing like, the first game that is addressing mainly kids for uh, an introduction to the alphabet. But then we're developing also other games for adults and kids. So for anyone interested in the language. So you took a challenge and you made it into and you found the solution and now you're making it into a company and actual products that other people who have this challenge can go and use. It's not out yet. We'll soon have a, like a page where we'll, you'll get in all the infos necessary. Uh, the company will be named Haruf. So Haruf in Arabic, it means letter. As we were talking earlier about dialects, our interest goes again to everybody talking Arabic uh, and can use it with his own dialect. So now we have like the 28 letters from the alphabet and you can you even use them to write words in your own dialect. And for anyone interested in pre-ordering the game, we're launching our crowdfunding in September. And I think the biggest word is when I talk about my game with my daughter or she listens, she hears me talking about it with my associate. She comes saying, oh, I so want to have it. I want to play with it now. <laughs> That's amazing. So this is, yeah, this is my biggest push. <laughs> <laughs> It's your, your first user, biggest fan, uh, number one uh, customer. <laughs> Do you have one last advice for parents going through this and wondering whether or not they should pass down their language or their culture? What's your, yeah, your big advice? I think before I advise them anything, I think they should... Um, they should do an introspection about what they want. Very naturally, not everybody wants to um, go back to their roots. I have a lot of friends who have lost contact willfully and happily with Lebanon because Lebanon for them was not a happy memory. It was a home that they were obliged to grow up in. And now that they live abroad, they, they, home is the new home for them. So 
yeah, I think the advice would be double. The first is to really know if a uh, home for them or their roots are really rooted where they grew up before they moved somewhere else. And if this is the case, and if like me, they they have something, they have a special place where their heart, you know, just goes cuckoo when they think about home and Lebanon, then they should transmit that. Then they should definitely go against all the tides and do what they their intuition tells them to do. It's very simple. My intuition always told me, you have to speak Lebanese with your kids. You have to give them whatever you love about your Lebanon. Then they do whatever you, you said it, Maria. They do whatever they want with it. They build their own experience with it. I would say definitely follow your heart. If you really feel like doing it, you have to go. It, it shouldn't be like uh, an obligation. But if you feel like doing it, you shouldn't hesitate. Because it's very important uh, for you first and for what you are transmitting to your child. And uh, on another level also, um, all studies show that bilingual people are people that are more tolerant, people that uh, find solutions for anything, uh, they give up uh, less easier. So yeah, I would say you should go on. We're reaching the end of the episode. I always end with this one question. What is the smell of home to you? Hard question. I would say the flowers of my mother's garden. <laughs> she had jasmine and roses. And I would say the onions that she used to fry to prepare lunch. <laughs> a bit of manushe zaatar. A bit of Turkish coffee in the morning. And I think a lot of the smell of uh, pine trees... In summer, you know that smell of pine trees when you're walking in, in the forest and it's really hot? This is Lebanon for me. Thank you so much, Jor and Cynthia. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. It was very interesting to share with you too. Thank you. Thank you, Marielle. It was really, um, it's very new for us to speak about this topic, but it opens places in our hearts that we hope we could transmit to other people around there. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Big Blend. If you like what we do, talk about us to your multicultural friends. You can also give us five stars on your podcast app. And if you want to get a glimpse into the newest episodes every month, follow us on Instagram and subscribe to our newsletter on the website, thebigblend.co. Cheers and see you soon.